All right, welcome to the podcast. I am Dax Holt. I am joined by Mr. Adam Glenn. How are you today? Listen, I'm doing a lot better than you because I know you're sick. And uh, and our guest today was just telling us about this new thing to try, which I, I want her to talk about because I think people might be interested in it because she's uh, she knows health, she knows wellness, she knows dance, and uh, <laughs> it seems like she knows supplements too. Uh, it's... Uh, it's. I was actually very interested. You're doing all right, Dax. You're gonna be all hanging through. You're gonna be all uh, right. No, I'm. I'm. I'm powering through. I may lose my voice halfway through, but let's just let's just go and see what happens. It's good. I think you're. I think you're really sick just because of the Instagram uh, mess up today. Is that what? Is that what's making <laughs> you sick today? Instagram has gone down, and I don't know what to do with my life right now. It's uh, dude. It's crazy. I don't know what's going on. It's really annoying. It's messing up my whole day. It is. <laughs> Well, let's bring in our guest because I'm sure she is also affected by the Instagram outage that is striking the world. Sharna Burgess is here. She is the winner of season 27 of Dancing with the Stars. Congratulations, Sharna. How are you? Thank you. I finally won that damn trophy. I was going to say, wait, you've been a runner-up, what, three times? Three times. Pretty much always at the end, around the third, fourth mark. Uh, Yeah, second three times. And finally, after 12 partners on Dancing with the Stars, <laughs> I got to win it with Mr. Bobby Bones, the most unlikely of all partners right? that I have danced with, by the way. But he brought something different and something very raw and, I think, relatable. And our audience was really, really ready for that. And we didn't, we definitely didn't expect the win. So when it happened, <laughs> it was a huge surprise to everybody and us. And But it was kind of the most perfect one after coming close so many times and and having fans of dancing with the stars be in an absolute uproar about how we didn't win or whatever the result was it was kind of nice to be like you know what this was really about the journey it was about everything it was about the improvement it was about the journey it was about the fans it wasn't about the best dancer it was about you know something else entirely and i, I kind of love that that was uh, nice out of your other runners up who who did you think you actually had the best chance of winning with that didn't happen um it would have well when i started the season it was nick carter but who knew bindi Irwin was just gonna be as phenomenal i mean bindi she walks into a room the whole room shuts down like people love that family like yeah it's just she's uh she's super wonderful and phenomenal at dancing um and she was just so open-hearted so i think our audience loved her but actually, the one I truly thought it was going to happen Wait, with take a guess. was I James Finchley. Oh, damn it. <laughs> no, I knew it. I, I want to take a guess. You, you know what? I actually thought it was going to be Antonio Brown. Uh, you know, like he did well. You guys did well on the show. You were in fourth place. But he's such an athlete. He's still playing. So he's still in phenomenal shape. And he's he, yeah. he, he's he's, a, he's an athlete. you got to be an athlete to do this. So I thought Antonio Brown, you guys would have done a little bit better that season. You know, he, uh, on paper, when we started the season, um, everyone was so excited, like, Shana, this is your year, because he is the most phenomenal athlete, and his training and work ethic is exceptional unlike no no other, but the problem was I didn't have that Antonio Brown for the first five weeks of the season. I don't think he really knew what he was getting himself into, how many hours were required, he's got his babies he was trying to see, other things he was trying to do. So he didn't have the ability to put in the time and that I needed. And so eventually the, de- the dedication just wasn't there until his competitive spirit kicked in at about week five or week six. And he was like, 
Oh, no, 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 no. This is not going down. We actually, here's the, here's the inside of it. We had a switch-up week, and I danced with Niall DeMarco, and we got the highest score of the season, and he danced with Karina Smirnoff and got the lowest score of the season. And he turned around and was like, absolutely not. This is not happening. I don't want to be on the bottom of the leaderboard again. And then that man turned up, stayed late, did his homework and put it in. But by that point, Steeler Nation was like, Antonio Depp Brown doesn't feel like being there. So they checked out. Mm. Uh, But I think had he have been that guy from the beginning of the season, he could have taken the whole thing because he's, he's wonderful and charming and talented. All the things you need. But he just wasn't in the right headspace for it in the beginning. So how does how does it go down when you find out who you're going to be dancing with? Because I feel like that kind of makes or breaks your season. They may not be the best dancer, but like if their personality is not liked across America, it's going to kill your opportunity no matter how great they are. It's true. Although, don't underestimate the redemption and the underdog. Like my first partner on Dancing with the Stars was Andy Dick. Yeah. Talk about having a reputation <laughs> that people were like, oh. and, you know, he, because he was sober at the time and had this wonderful ability of just being very open hearted and honest about, he feels awful about the things where he's been and he's worried about what people think of him and, and people rallied for him. We made it to week seven based off of him being raw and entertaining, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And then, and then that was where we had to go home, but don't underestimate the story and the comeback. Um, but I think the hardest part is when you have someone that's not willing to put in the work because it takes work. For you to get to the end of the season, we are no joke doing at least 10 hours a day of dancing. Jesus. At least. Just to get it in because we have a freestyle, a redance, a redemption dance, and a something and a, an overnight challenge. Whatever. Whatever it is that they have together, you only have so many um, and so many hours you can fit in. So you just keep sacrificing sleep and putting in more work. And that's just what it takes, you know. So if you're not willing to put in that time and dedicate your life to that show for three months, you're not going to have the opportunity to go all the way. Yeah. So how, like, do you think like America identifies like when Bindi wins, per se? You know, is it because she's a great dancer or is it because her backstory, what she's gone through in her life, losing her father, is that what they kind of fall for? I think it's it's a little bit of both. Like, I mean, specifically when we talk about Bindi, she came out with no dance training and yet danced so beautifully. She just, she was a surprise to everybody. But at the same time... She had a story that I think a lot of people related to, losing someone you love and having to learn how to be able to move on with life. That man, her father died when she was quite young, but he was the biggest inspiration and influence on her. And that's happened to millions of people across the country. And when they find, when they watch Dancing with the Stars and they find someone that they can relate to, they find this celebrity that is otherwise on a pedestal and unreachable. And at some point there is something to relate relate to them with and think my god if they can do it then I can do it and essentially they end up being inspired by watching these celebrities who are elite at what they do fumble and fall and freak out and and really go back to just a learning very open-hearted raw this is who I am and I'm trying 
And I think that's a really beautiful space for someone to be in and for people to connect to and feel like, God, if they can do it, then I trust that I can do it. And it makes them want to go out and dance or, or go for that job interview or try something that they were afraid of beforehand. And I think that is the coolest part about Dancing with the Stars. Yeah, that's cool. How, so how was Andy Dick, though? That was your first season when he did with Andy Dick. How was he? Was he in the right headspace? Did he understand the work going into it when he's sober? Is he professional? He was he was in a great head. Well, he was only freshly sober for a couple of months, I believe, at the time. Um, and he, honestly, he was wonderful. He was so into the process. He wanted to put the work in. If anything, he wanted more hours than, than were in the day because he loved this, this feeling physically strong, mentally stronger, being focused, achieving goals, you know, coming up against adversities and being able to get through them without falling back on his bad habits. It really was an amazing experience for him. And so, and then for me with Andy, he was so creative and ready and up for anything that we got to do these wild concepts uh, that I don't think I've really been able to do with anyone else yet. Um, and so we had a great, great time and I loved my first season. Um, and I think, no one could have imagined that he was going to be so awesome to work with and that he was going to be so awesome to watch. But that's the thing. You can never underestimate the story. You can never judge a book by its cover either. People got to know Andy in a different way because of him just having that platform to be like, oh, this is my heart. This is who I am. This is how I ended up doing these awful things. And people started to relate to him, feel for him and rally for him. How, how hard is it for the professional dancers? Because I know, like, we sit here and we watch the stars, you know, learn how to dance. But I got to think, it's got to be so hard to come up with new dances, choreograph all this stuff, something new, something innovative, you know, for numerous, I, I guess, shows in one season. But you've been doing this for so long. I got to yeah. imagine at some point you're like, I don't even know what to do anymore. And I got to come up with something new. It's, um... It's hard, yes, but it's also what we know, if, if that makes any sense. Like the person in front of you is your muse. And the best thing that I learned as a choreographer, especially on Dancing with the Stars, is it's not about what I want. It's not about what I look good doing. And it's not about the story I want to tell. It's about this human in front of me. And how am I going to be the best coach for them? And essentially in the first few weeks when we're rehearsing before we go to air, what I'm doing is assessing their personality their strengths and weaknesses and what they need out of me who is going to be their mentor for the next three months do they need tough love do they need football coach do they need nurturing do they need constant positive reinforcement do they need me to be like not none of that and just push them really tough to the end of it everybody is different and so through finding out who a person is and their strengths and weaknesses you can design choreography for them like antonio brown fast feet you know what I mean? Josh Norman lifts all over the place. It is just you find out what their best parts are and then you design for them. So there's not you don't go, oh, God, another cha-cha. It's OK. I have a song and a person and a dance style. Let's go. Well, how about Nick Carter, a guy who's who's danced? I mean, maybe a little bit similar of a different style, but does have a little bit of a dance background. He does have the, the muscle memory, which it takes for dance. Uh, were you surprised with him, or did he need work? Uh, what were your thoughts when we danced with Nick? I uh, Nick needed a lot of work. Nick had done boy band moves. 
his whole life. It was absolutely nothing like dancing with another person, uh, especially in a ballroom frame or connecting for a, a cha-cha and being able to move that person. But I found him to be a phenomenal dance student. He had some bad habits we had to work out when he's like his grooves and the way that he performs in his Backstreet Boys moves. So we had to straighten up his posture and get a different thing out of him. But he was so into the process of it, so into the want to learn how to dance and to do better um, and to just put the hours in. And he was so much fun to work with. And he was, I mean, he was a killer performer. Even if I thought on the Sunday at camera blocking, like, dear God, is this, is this going to come together? Have I gone too far with the choreography? Monday night comes around and he just crushes it in front of my eyes like I've never seen before. <laughs> He's a natural-born performer that he gets on stage and something happens. Who is yeah. the hardest celeb to work with? And just and not even like personality, but just like, like damn, this person has no dancing talent. <laughs> I would say uh, one of the toughest ones, simply because he was just always in pain, was Bonner Bolton. He was a, uh, a, a previously a bull rider, um, but he had broken his neck and his C3 was fused to his C2 or, or one of those. Um, and it was only 18 months prior. And that poor guy was in pain every day. Uh, he really, it was too soon for him to do the show. Mm -hmm. um, and it really limited what we could do because everything stressed him jumping and landing stressed it you know what I mean because of the impact and so it was almost like God, like how I don't want to hurt you and I don't want to push you through movement that this is a dance show at the end of the day it's not worth you injuring and, and being in pain for three months for this how can I create movement that is going to be entertaining for people to want to watch but also not put you in pain every single day of this experience and that that I found really hard and really really stressful why do you get all the athletes? I don't know. That's a really good question. I've had athletes for quite a while yeah, now. Although Bobby, Bobby's the first one that wasn't an athlete. <laughs> yeah, it's, weird. it's interesting. You get all these athletes. Why? I don't know. You know, I don't know. Like, how do they determine who works with who? How do they team people together? Is it sometimes they want people? Do you think the producers are like, hey, we want to see people that are going to clash, or we want some people that are going to work well together? Do we want to see some people with chemistry that there might be sexual chemistry? You know, what are your thoughts on how they pair people? I think it's all of those things. I think that they sit in a room and they have their pros and their celebrities and they go, okay, these two, brother and sister, fun all day long, count on them for laughs. These two, they might have a little something going on. These two, oh, they're going to be feisty. Or we need a pro that's going to keep this person in line because they're just a, a basket case they need nurturing. Or they're all over the place and known to you know, need a little bit more of a tough love situation. And they know our teaching styles. Uh, I think I'm lucky that I can be versatile. I can be nurturing if you need me to be. I'm naturally a very tough coach. I'm relentless. Um, but if I can see the person in front of me needs something a little softer, I can adapt to that. Uh, but, yeah, I think they they base off wanting diversity and versatility uh, within that cast and storylines that they can tell and who's going to handle them better. Because essentially all the pros are very different. We are very different as humans in the way that we choreograph, the way that we teach, the way that we react to certain situations. We're all, you know, different. And so they, they piece us together to hopefully get 12 different storylines. And how did, how did you wind up on the show? 
Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, did you ever think as a dancer, like this Dancing with the Stars has been so, it, first of all, it's such a success as a TV show. It's went international. Yeah. But now the show, it's changed dancers' lives because people like Derek and you and, you know, Julianne, and you see all these people, their career, like you guys, I mean, again, I, I, I'm a little bit, I'm not a dancer. I don't know. But, you know, you may have thought your future was just going to be dancing, doing like little performances. But now you guys have become like huge stars, touring stars. I mean, so but, how did yeah. you get on the show? And it's crazy how much it's changed your life where maybe 15, 20 years ago, I mean, this this opportunity wasn't really in your future per se, you know? <laughs> There's nowhere near it. I thought. I never imagined this to be my life. It's still very surreal for me, even to the point when fans come up and they say, I'm so sorry to bother you. You must hate this. I don't hate this. I never expected this. And it is a reminder that I somehow get to be a part of this magical entertainment industry. I Then I, I landed in it by, by chance. I left for London when I was 18. I packed my bags and left for London because I was a boring dancer. And that's where the hub of ballroom dancing was at the time. Uh, and I knew if I was going to do anything real, that's where I needed to go. I thought I was going to go there for two years. I was going to get the training. I was going to do the competitions. I was going to make my way up to being a world champion, go back to Australia and own a dance studio and teach. That was what they were my dreams. That was like my ultimate goals. And then around 20, when my visa ran up in uh, England, um, I still needed, wanted more time with the partner that I was dancing with and more competitive time over there. So we got picked up to, by chance to go on this tour called Burn the Floor, which is an Australian-owned production that has done multiple world tours. Um, and we thought, yeah, we'll just do it for six months, earn some, because we're purists, right? I'm not going to go and do a show that travels the world. I'm going to stay and be a starving dancer and try and be a world champion. <laughs> um and so we decided we'd go and do that for six months, earn some money and figure out the next move. Cause he was German. I'm Australian. We've got to figure out how we're going to live in the same country and make this work. Well, we had six months of performing and finding a love for dancing that I think we'd both lost since we were kids. It was this different thing. We were, it's all of a sudden you could see the effect that you could create in people by just entertaining the way that you could make them smile, forget about their day for two hours, whatever it was. We fell in love with the art of it. And we were also making money, which was kind of a nice thing to not be living off, you know, rice and baked beans for every day. Um, and so we decided to stay with it a little bit longer and actually walk away from competing. And that show ended up going on Broadway in 2009. And we had a, I think it was a nine-month stint or a seven-month stint, something like that, in 2009 into 2010 on Broadway. And that's when Dancing with the Stars came to watch us. Because obviously, it's like it's like a great recruiting ground because it's just a, a whole platform of ballroom dancers you can choose from, right? Um, and they approached me to be a part of Dancing with the Stars at that time. But I was still in a contract with Burn the Floor, and they were my family. I wasn't going to leave anyone high and dry with that. Um, and so I stayed with them for the rest of my contract, left at the end of 2010, choreographed a movie over in London uh, called Street Dance 2 at the start of 2011. And then August 2011, the fall season, was the first time I was available to actually come and join Dancing with the Stars. So it's kind of like two years in the making of getting me to the show. Uh, but I knew that I always wanted to be on it. I just 
um, I couldn't leave my people and burn the floor behind. I was like, okay, if it's meant to be, it will be, it will still come back around. And it did. They kept checking in on me to see if I could come and uh, come and hang and dance with them. And yeah. And now we're like eight, nine years later and I just don't understand how fast time has gone. It's crazy. <laughs> the brand is international. I mean, that's the goal. I mean, look, you're doing Australia, you're doing America. It's just, uh, it's, yeah. it's just crazy how big it's brand. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy. Like what you've done for dance, you know, and people, you know, the, the, the dance people are interested in this dance. They love watching it. And it's uh, it's just, it's great TV. Who would have thought, I mean, whatever, these producers, credits to them. I mean, they they were able to make dance, and they saw something in dance and make it cool and fun and hip. And dance studios yes. in the world are doing well. You know, so oh Ad- yeah, Adam had said something. You know, a little a couple minutes ago about how Julianne and Derek they've kind of spun off and they're doing their own things. What what is your future goals? What do, what do you want to be doing? You know, obviously you could be on this show forever, but like, what else is there out there that you would be interested in in doing? There are so many things. I also sing and I act. Uh, and so I've been putting a lot of time into rebuilding back on those skills the last two years, I would say, um, because I want to start going into that world. But I I was obviously judge the Australian Dancing with the Stars over there. And I, I love talking in front of a camera. I think hosting is going to be something that I would really enjoy doing. I think a dream job for me further down the line would be on something like The View or The Talk, a panel of just awesome, incredible women talking about life and current events and politics and how can we create change in this world that we live in. And that would be something I'd be super passionate about doing. But my creative heart will always want to be within this entertainment world of performance and for me, that is, you know, dancing, singing and acting. I would love to go back to Broadway. That has definitely been a dream for me ever since 2009 um, to go back with something more than just a dance show. Um, and, you know, I love the art of storytelling. So I think that's never, ever going to leave me. How is it backstage with you and the other dancers? I mean, I'm sure it's competitive, but is it has it ever got too competitive with you guys or, you know, where where does the line draw? Um, I would say the last time I felt like, oh, this is icky was probably, I think I was even still on the troop. I think we're going back like eight eight years ago, my first season or so, and I was watching the dynamics between people thinking, oh, this is super competitive. But I would say now we have a really cool group that's a family. Like, I know that sounds cheesy and like, yeah, 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 whatever. People don't fight. We have moments. We get on each other's nerves, like every family, like brother and sisters. But it's not competitive in the way of, I got to take you down. You would find, if you walk into a Dancing with the Stars studio, someone will be in my room helping me. And then I'll be in someone else's room helping them. And we, we all switch it around. It's We, we have each other's best interests at heart. Um, and no one tries to steal moves or ideas or anything from people. We are all just there doing the best we can for the person that's in front of us. And it's a really, really nice environment now. And I think everyone in that cast has been super cool to work with, you know, to the point where we can go on tour with each other for 10 weeks at a time and it's, and live on a tour bus with each other. Like that's intense close quarters and it's fine. You know, everyone really does get along these days. And it's uh, I'm very, very grateful for that because it could be an awful situation. You know what I mean? If there was yeah. a lot of personalities you didn't get along with. 
I would think that it would be, you know, see, I would think the complete opposite because from what mm -hmm. I understand, the pay structure for Dance with the Stars is for every week that your your partner and you get brought in for the following week, you guys get paid an extra week. So it's, you know, forget the competition. It's money. You know, you guys lose out on money if you don't go that next week. So you're saying that you guys are still cool, even though you could lose out on a lot of money each week. I mean, there's... It's, well well, it's not it's not the whole time we have a guarantee up until oh. you know i think everyone's guarantee might vary but we do have a guarantee and then in the later part of the season it is that but i would say that for the most part we've all realized that it's not up to us we can only do the best that we can do we have no idea what the judges are going to say or score at any given point they could love that you went outside the box or hate that you went outside the box you can never guess what's going to happen uh, you can never judge your placement in the show, which has a lot to do with how people remember you. Were you first? Were you last? Save the best for last. Were you lost somewhere in the middle? Uh, there's a lot of factors that we cannot take into account. So you can't stress out and lose sleep and fight over something that you have very little control of. All we can do is keep the energy positive because that is readable through a TV screen uh, and do the best work that we can do. And essentially, we do the social media and the interviews and the everything to let people know who we are as a couple and our vibe. Um, and you're only in a competition with yourself. The minute you turn around and you are there solely to take down other people, you look like an ass. And then no one really wants to vote for you anymore. Have you walked away feeling like you're genuinely friends with some of these people that you've danced with for months on end? Yeah. Like, do you call up any of these people and just say, hey, how's your weekend? Uh, I'm just curious how that, you know, you spend so much time, 10 hours a day with these people for a couple months and then it's like they're out of your life. But are you still uh, like, yeah. close with them? Uh, yes, uh, there is a good collection of uh, my partners and I'm super close with. I would say James Hinchcliffe is like, it's still my long lost brother, the race car driver. I just choreographed his and his fiance's wedding dance and I'll be at their wedding uh, when it's happening very soon. And it just made me, it made me so happy to create that moment for them. Uh, Bobby Bones is my, my forever's uh, best friend. You know, we have, we got Mirabal tattooed on our arms together <laughs> and beyond, beyond winning, we had such a journey with each other and we really, you know, you go through peaks and valleys and you learn so much and you truly, truly bond. And sometimes it just sticks. Uh, Noah Galloway is another one who holds a very, very special place in my heart. He was the army vet who um, was in a, a bomb explosion and was amputated from his left leg and left arm. Uh, and he is uh, actually, I, I want to do something. I want to guess. I want to guess who your toughest, your hardest person to work with was. And it could okay. have been dance. I want to guess. And I'm going to guess it was Derek Fisher. He was the toughest person to work with. No. No, not even close. Really? As far as, a per as far as a personality goes. All right, Dax. I, I mean, all right. I I'm gonna take a second guess. Dax, do you have any guesses? I want to uh, take. Let me think. So I'm curious why you said Derek. He was a sweetheart. You know what? I'm a Knicks fan. He was a Laker, so I just kind of went with that. Uh, <laughs> gotcha. gotcha. I see how that came around. Got it. Um, I would go with Keyshawn Johnson. He's just such a yeah, big star. Yeah? Yeah. <laughs> really? Keyshawn? Keyshawn was the most difficult to work with? One of. Why would you say that? <laughs> 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 um, 
lots of different factors, uh, but he wasn't really invested in the why he should be there and what we were doing, uh, and that showed. You know what I mean? That showed, and it was really, it was really unfortunate. I think again, maybe he didn't know what he was in for, um, but it was just care factor zero about the whole process. Uh, That's just showing up because it's a TV show, but not really wanting to do anything more. Yeah, he made the first paycheck, and you know, I guess maybe he didn't want or need the rest of it. It was just, I don't know what he was there for, to be honest. It's not like he promoted anything. Uh, but he was definitely one of the most difficult that I've worked with. I was going to say, that's got to be frustrating because that's what your, your season two, like that was back in the beginning of when you had started, right? Oh, yeah. So you're yeah, going... I just had a phenomenal season with Andy. And then this guy comes along and I was just like, I, can't, there's, I don't even know how to make him care about it. You know? Yeah. Stuff. That's got to be frustrating. Well, it's interesting. It you is. Said back there. Yeah. Say again? I, no, I thought it was interesting. You said you, he didn't really. There's no answer like why he was there. It was just like, well, you did the one. You got your one check, and that was it. What you, you could also go to the end and make a ton more money if it's about that, or you know, I don't. I just don't know. Or maybe it was not as cool as he wanted it to be. It's not like you're in a hip hop routine every week. You are learning to waltz and to cha cha. You know, and I don't know if it just wasn't what he expected and what he wanted. So. He was not into the process, but you know that happens. It does happen. I think. I think every now and then. I think it's got to be tough for these big macho football players to come in and be able to gracefully dance around a floor. Like you have to really be confident and not care about like your your football player teammates giving you a hard time. You just got to go for it, give it your all. And I think that's what I see some of these football players struggling with. Like, where's their boundaries and? Where yeah. do they feel, like, confident with, like, I'm doing it and I'm going all in? You know what? Oddly, though, honestly, Dax, like, I'm telling you, the the super confident ones that are like, yeah, I'm great at what I do, they don't care. They, like, they walk in with more bling than I wear in a costume. <laughs> and it's real diamonds, for God's yeah. sake. Do you know what I mean? Like, they're all about it. And they're so confident and set in knowing who they are and what they are. They're like, oh, you want me to roll my hips? I'll roll my hips, watch this. They're just so confident that they're yeah. good at everything. I find it's the ones that are unsure about themselves, that are too worried about what people think, that haven't reached that point of inner confidence and just satisfaction with who they are and what they're doing. And if they have any insecurities, then they, they will come out because you have got to be stripped bare and you have got to be vulnerable and you have got to try things that you are not good at and you got to be okay with that. And I find they're the ones that get like the stress face and just the like the sweats and the don't know if they can do this and the like, oh, what if, what if that's embarrassing? What are people going to say? Yeah. Interesting. That's my, that's my take on that one. Of all the seasons, you know, that you've been a part of, who, and it's not, I'm not including your partners, just in general, who was the best celebrity dancer you've ever seen and who was the worst celebrity dancer you've ever seen? Seen, not necessarily danced with, right? Yes. Now you don't have to dance with it. Just seen. You know, been there. I would say Jordan Fisher was absolutely one of the best and most talented. Uh, that kid's that got crazy on, talent. Wow. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Between his voice and his dance ability. And he, I mean, he's just, he's an artist. And the likability. Um, likeability too, is just such a, a sweet, kind soul. Um, he, 
I think he's one of my favorites that I've ever watched. And I think Lindsay Arnold did the most phenomenal job with him and like stepping up to the plate and bringing some seriously awesome choreography. Cause when you have a person in front of you like that, you have to bring your a game. It's not about, can they do this? It's about like, they can do all of this. So I got to bring something that's going to like stand out and live up to that expectation. And I think she crushed it that season. Um, the worst, did you say? What was the yes, worst? Yeah. Um, so I wasn't on this season, but notoriously and famously the worst was Master P. <laughs> you should look it up. <laughs> if you haven't already, you should look it up. Master P worse than Nikki Glazer? Yeah. Nikki Glazer? Yeah, really. He was that bad, huh? Just, But do you think he was someone who, again, was not really into it or he was into his cool factor maybe? Like he didn't want to cool really – Cool factor. Big time. It was more like so foreign to who he was and what he is and what he represents and what he comes from, right? To put on these rhinestone shirts and Cuban heel shoes. And he was just like, nah, man, this is like, I think he definitely had the, I can't be seen like this kind of attitude about it. Yeah. And so when he went out there and he danced, he was just like, he walked it like, you just need to, everybody needs to YouTube that video <laughs> right now. Master P, I think it's his cha-cha that he did. You'll, yeah. You'll, you'll die. Come <laughs> for late. Dax wanted me to ask a question because, uh, you know, Dax. Uh, what are you talking about? <laughs> oh, here, this is going to be good. Uh, and he wanted to know, like, you know, and he doesn't want names, but, you know, through all your celebrity dance partners you've had over the years, have you ever, you know, you guys do dance very close. Have you ever felt an erection from one of the celebrities? <laughs> um, actually, Antonio Brown joked about that. <laughs> he did. Antonio Brown joked about it. We were doing a rumba and he started talking about how he was getting a little bit excited uh, while we were doing the rumba. I was like, I don't know how to deal with this. Um, I, I have not. Uh, and I think because you would think uh, on your perspective, right, you're watching it and you're like, they are close and there is like a whole lot of stuff going on. But what you don't see is the behind the scenes of how we got there, of this five foot five redhead yelling at you all week to do this <laughs> and to do that. And at this point, you just you don't you don't really love me like that. At this point, you just want to try and get a good score and move on <laughs> to the next dance. It's like. You, because of the blood, sweat, and tears that go into building this moment and creating the storyline and the romance or the whatever, it really isn't real. <laughs> it is all just produced to be a a character-driven dance, right? Whether it's the rumba and two people are in love, or or whatever, or the pasodoble and it's passionate and it's fighting a little bit. All of it's very sexy, um, but it doesn't feel sexy while you're learning it and while you're trying it. Oh, that was so funny. <laughs> Don't you remember? It's a great question. You would like, think, right? The... And if I had, they've concealed it very well. <laughs> they always put it to the belt. We know that trick as a guy. You know, you put it to the belt. You know that rule. Don't you remember? There put was like the there was like that famous video. I think it was either around too much. Mark... Around too much. It didn't come out. There was like a famous Mark Ballas video of him uh, where everyone said that he got it. He popped a boner during during one of the live shows. You don't remember that? That was like Mark years Ballas. and years ago. I actually ago. just saw him at the gym. I have to ask him about it. He popped up. Of course he did. And he tucked it in his belt. 
yeah, I, I remember he was wearing like a, a little workout outfit and everyone like I remember just because it was, it was a big deal back oh god it was probably like 11 12 years ago but that video made the rounds I don't know if it was a real boner or it looked like it or what the case was but god I remember that video going viral well ask him that's amazing ask I'm him let us know <laughs> has there been any um dancing you know behind you know behind the curtains when the cameras are off has there been any teams that you've ever been around or been have seen that you're surprised they never became an item and never became exclusive? I mean, you see Nikki Bell, you see Nikki Bella now da- now dating Artem. So has there been any kind of relationships that you just kind of saw like how did they not hook up? How did they not kind of because there was so much chemistry between the two of them? I actually think that uh, I have been the one that people have thought that about the most. Uh, Certainly everyone thought that James Hinchcliffe and I were soulmates forever and going to get married, but I, we just love, we love each other, but like, like a brother and sister thing, but in, you know, from the outside and the way you're looking at it, yeah, we have an amazing chemistry and we can laugh every day at all the things and we can go through triumph and adversity and, and all of it, but there wasn't that attraction there. And he also had a gorgeous girlfriend who was now his fiance and to be wife, you know, <laughs> And that, that's where it gets a little uncomfortable too, right? When someone has a significant other and it, this person is constantly bombarded on social media with people being dicks about it and saying, oh, you should move on and let them be together forever. And, you know, they, they should be – everyone thinks Bobby and I are supposed to get married. doesn't matter how many times we turn around and say we're just friends, we're like family. Everyone has their own idea of what they want for you. Um, I haven't necessarily witnessed anyone where I was like – they should be a couple, you know, because what you guys see is the 90 second package that is supposed to look pretty and beautiful or give you a story at the end of the week. I see them every day and throughout the week. I see them getting coffee. I see their interactions. You know, there's not, it's not always what people think. How, how do you navigate it as the professional dancer? So let's say with your and James's relationship, you have to make it like this sexy dance, but he's also got a girlfriend. So how do you navigate so that you're like, Hey, girlfriend, this is just us dancing. So I don't want you to feel uncomfortable, but, like, we need to put on a good show and we also need a storyline. So how how do you do that? Yeah, it's hard. For me, if anyone has a significant other, I always make sure that they, they get to know me as soon as possible, um, that they are always welcome in the rehearsal space, uh, that we try and have dinner, the three of us, or if I have a significant other, the four of us. Um because I think there, once you know me and you get to know me as a human, you're like, oh, okay, no, I get it. You know what I mean? I totally understand the process. And you can put, um, like, real-life qualities to me as opposed to this this redhead that you see on television with, you know, this vixen redhead, essentially, with the way that I dance or whatever it is and how you perceive me. But really, I'm this, like, goofball, clumsy human that can't walk in a straight line but somehow can dance really well. You know what I mean? And it's like... You go, oh, okay, cool. Like, it's, it's, I become less intimidating in a yeah. good way, you know, because I become relatable. And, the, and then a lot of the time, like Becky, who is now marrying James, is one of my greatest friends. I adore her. And I'm so glad I got to meet her. So the best, my best thing that I do is try and make them comfortable and let them know so, who I am. And, you know, it makes it you, easier. Would you laugh about it with her? Would you be like, hey, Becky, did you see Twitter yesterday? Like, it's so ridiculous. People are out of control. And you laugh about it or... Yeah, you, you just kind of let it pass. 
No, I haven't gone to the laugh about it stage. I still always feel bad about it because I don't know how to stop it. Uh, but at the end of the day, I do have to do my job and create these dances. You know what I mean? And yeah. it's and I again have no control over what that ninety second package is that shows before the dance. Um, and so I I don't I don't I haven't got to that point where I can make light of it. But if ever I feel it's really bad, I just apologize. I'm just like I'm so sorry. You have to go through this because I think that sucks that they have to go through it. And it's not a joke that they have to go yeah. through it at the end of the day too. And it is really hurtful for someone to be told they should move on and let them, you know, because this person's supposed to be with someone else. Like that's just awful. Even if it's coming from some loser stuck in his bedroom with a computer feeling brave, it's still awful to hear it. You know yeah. what I mean? No, absolutely. Well, we're running out of time, but I did want to get to, you've got a big event coming up at the end of the month where you're doing a big show over at the Roosevelt Hotel in Hollywood. Can you tell yes. us a little bit about this and also the master classes leading up to that big show? Yes, 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 absolutely. So the 19th of July, um, I am going to be teaching two masterclasses in New York City at the Roosevelt Hotel. It, one is going to be more a beginner intermediate. One is going to be in advanced. It is just overall dance, being in the industry. I want to inspire these kids, let them a little bit know a little bit about where I came from and how I got to where I am. Again, you guys just heard, you have no idea where you're going to end up with a dance career. The sky is the limit, literally. Um, and so I just want to inspire and teach and give back a little bit. And then we have a performance at the end of the night. There is a, a new musical that we're putting together. We're in workshop mode. It's called The Storm and it's inspired uh, by a gorgeous dance couple. Um, and that is uh, Mar Marge. I would go to call her Mar Margaret, but Marge Long. Uh, who is a beautiful, elegant, but very powerful woman, a, a big, big influence in the dance industry uh, in her time, uh, but across music and TV and film and, and having a dance studio, she did some wonderful things. And so I have been chosen to play Marge in this musical. And we are going to be putting on a showcase coming up on the 19th of um, uh, July, where we'll perform a few of the songs. I am actually going to be singing uh which is very very cool for me to be a part of it and we're going to talk and share what the story's about and get people interested and excited about the whole situation so i recommend that people come and check it out you'll be seeing me do something that i have not done on stage before yet which is sing uh which i am equally excited and terrified about because it's it's going to be something new for me but uh, i'm looking forward to it and i think that this is going to be a story that a lot of people can relate to that they will find uh, a lot of love in whether they've danced before or not uh there's a lot of tragedy heartache and inspiration in all at once and, and where did you say people go to get the information or more details they can go to eventbrite they will find the information there uh they can also go to intagliaproductions.com i believe okay. um i apologize i will have all the information on my social media and the links that people can follow if they want to go to at shana burgess on instagram um but they yeah but they need to check it out it's going to be a really really awesome show it's going to be entertaining and fun and hopefully we're going to make it to broadway awesome well Let's thank you oh go ahead go because you've done so much for dance and you know you you've made it more mainstream you've made it more in some ways masculine in some ways and i mean it's for men to be acceptable and learn about dance and see it um so you and the team the dancers the show has done so much for dance when you see people like abby lee miller from dance moms what do you think she's done for dance 
I'm not a fan of Abby Lee. <laughs> they, they like I'm the not pause. a fan of Abby Lee Miller. Yeah, I'm not a fan of hers. I hated when we had her on the show as a guest judge. I do not endorse the way that she teaches children. I think it's gross. Uh, and I think she's a character for a TV show. But at the same time, she's, you know, berating and terrifying these kids that just need their creativity nurtured. Uh, I don't think she's done great things for dance. I think the TV show has done great things at wanting ki- having kids want to get into dance, but her as a human and her as her style and her and what she does, I do not endorse her and I do not like her. Interesting. Just saying. Well, listen, I appreciate your time. I think you're doing some awesome things. You got a great attitude, great energy. I think you're going to have Thank a you. long career after yeah. dance. Amen. Thank you. Thank you so much for your time. I know you're busy, but. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much, guys. I appreciate it. This oh, is fun. And you were supposed to tell us about this. What was it? Oregano oil? We never oh, actually yeah. got to oh, that. Oregano oil. Yeah, yeah. What's up with Dax? Oregano oil. oregano oil. Listen, Dax, you're sick. What you need is <laughs> oregano oil. You need to. Like, okay, what I was saying before we got on, uh, we started recording was you can put it in a water bottle and sip it throughout the day, but it's kind of gross and just prolongs the fact that you have to taste oregano oil. You need to get oil of oregano. It comes in a dropper. You can get it from Whole Foods. And you need to fill that little dropper and just squeeze it down the back of your throat once, twice at a time uh, and let it just burn. You cannot sip water for a little minute. Let it burn. Let it soak in. Let it do its thing. You'll be burping up oregano oil. So it's like Italian (laughs) food for like an hour afterwards. But it will just like soothe, burn all the germs and it will clear out your, your system yeah. and it will, yeah, and it will help you. Honestly, it's going to clear out whatever you got going on, but you should do it four or five times a day. All right. Like the drop up four or five times a day. All right. I, trust I, I'll me, try it. Do it. And I need you to, I need you to tell me how it went. I need you to get it today and then tell me how you feel in two days. <laughs> Sounds good. Thank you. you go. Have a wonderful Thank one. Thank you. Right. Appreciate hey, the talk, guys. Bye. Bye.